It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. If you like urban film thrillers and you like Las Vegas locations, you'll probably like my guest. He's Las Vegas local Sky Directs. He's the director of Run Nixon. It's releasing in AMC theaters on November 22nd. And you can follow Run Nixon on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And Sky Direct, welcome to the show. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Ira. Thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure. I, when I first saw the name of the film, I thought it was about Richard Nixon, but clearly he's he's done, he's done running for office. So it's no, he's not. Yeah, I know everyone assumes that. Yeah, no, this one's a, this this one's about a boy who's running. Okay, excellent. We're going to get into the plot, but before that, I'm curious about your background because you've had an interesting background in show business. Can you share it with our audience who may not be aware of Sky Direct? Oh, sure. Yeah, I was actually. Um, I started off as a teenager in the film business with Nick Cannon. Uh, he was filming Wild and Out season two, and I was on his set with a, a big camera called a Canon XL2. And uh, one of his bodyguards brought me on set just to film behind the scenes. And I wasn't supposed to be filming. I, I did, and that night I went home to go f- upload what I what I filmed. And I thought I got in trouble because I got a phone call from Nick Cannon's assistant, Danielle, the next morning. And she's like, hey, Nick wants to meet you. And I was like, oh, gosh, what did I do now? <laughs> and uh, I went up there and he said, you know, he wanted to fi- fi- figure me out and film me out. And he said, hey, I wanted to bring you on as my personal videographer and film everything. And nice. uh, from that day on, I was Nick Cannon's personal videographer for a couple years. Very impressive. So you used a Canon to shoot Nick Cannon is what you're saying. I used the Canon to shoot Nick Cannon. Excellent. Yeah. Did he see any of your work or he just called you up because he saw you on set and said, you know what? This guy looks like he knows what he's doing. No, he seen the he seen what got uploaded on YouTube. Oh, okay. Night. Okay. I wanted he to fill in that part. Of about it. the uh, about the delivery, how fast I was filming that day, and then that night I edited it and put it up. So where'd you go from there after you're working with Nick for a while? What what was the next stage? The next stage was uh, uh, B2K. There's this big boy band group who actually, uh, they just split up as a, as a four-member group and became a three-member group. And they wanted to film the reality of them together and how they're going to move forward without the uh, leading member. And I came on board to film their day-to-day lives. And I went home every day, the same thing with Nick Cannon. I went home every day to go edit and upload and that created a big following on YouTube. This was before reality shows were really like popular. And um, on YouTube, there was no other reality show besides you know what I was uploading. And uh, Warner Brothers decided to pick it up. And that that, that show turned into a, a show that uh, uh, ended up getting canceled because one of the boy member, members weren't, you know, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. So mm-hmm. they canceled the show, put it on pause. All that footage is just sitting in a vault. But uh, that was what I had did next. Yeah, but it got you to the next stage. So B2K was four. It went to three. So you were shooting fractions. Fractions. Three out of four. Okay. Three Three out of four. four. Yeah. Terrible joke, but I had to do it. So it's okay. Now you are directing this film. It's an urban thriller. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because a lot of the shots obviously are done in Las Vegas because you're a local Las Vegan. How did you decide, A, on the locations? Well, let's start with the film itself. Tell us a little bit about the story. Then we'll get into the locations. And who are some of your collaborators? Because I know there's a lot of people involved in the production. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the story is based upon my uncle who passed away uh, at the age of 18. I never got a chance to meet him, but he had a heart failure and he was a strong sports player. He played basketball, football, tennis. And uh, he came home one night very tired and my grandparents didn't think nothing of it. And that next morning, he never woke up and uh, they found out it was due to heart failure. And one night I was sleeping at my uh, father's house and he gave me this vision of Brian that passed away, my uncle. He gave me the vision and I woke up and literally wrote about 80 pages of what he was telling me and just started to write. And uh, that's how the story began. And then I developed my own art in the story, added some more flavor to it. And uh, and from there, I went out to go reach out to certain cast members that I feel can play the role. And that's how we kind of started the process of Brian Nixon. How long did it take you to write it in total, the script? Uh, well... When I wrote the first 80 pages, it deleted. Unfortunately, it deleted, and I had to rewrite it all over again. That is the worst wow. thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you wrote yeah. 80 pages, and it deleted. Uh, Listen, if you if you work on a on a Mac guest account, and you put anything in notes, it, it erases every 24 hours. And I didn't know that. And I woke up the next morning and seen that everything erased. And I said, at this point, I, I wanted to give up. I said, forget it. And, and then I looked, I have two boys. I said, you know what? This is my legacy. I have to, I have to figure, out, figure out how to go back and rewrite this and get the strength to remember everything and rewrite it. Um, so I, I, it took me two weeks to just sit in the office and just literally write it all out, rewrite it. Yeah, the key word is always back up your material no matter what. That's the key. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Now, how did you end up financing the film? Because it's not easy to, you can't just, yes, in today's world, yes, you could shoot theoretically a film on on an iphone but this is much more than right. that obviously so you had to get financing you did it on your own or were you able to get some people to back you no i mean um you know after i wrote the script i assumed it would be easy to go get financing i reached out to uh our first executive producer who was cool to love and he told me hey if you film the trailer a spec trailer like the idea of which you want to shoot i'll go raise the money off of that and I had to sell my car to do that part. Um, mm. I, I leased it out. I took five grand, leased it out, and went to L.A. and shot this spec trailer and uh, edited it up. And, you know, I did it so good where people assumed that the movie was shot. Um, <laughs> so it backfired to the world because the world, cause I actually put it out. And the world was like, wow, when is it coming out? And it was the whole coming soon. And it never came out. And then uh, raising, trying to raise money for a year just never happened for me. Uh, towards the end of the 2019 year, I was like, okay, let me do a GoFundMe around December and see if that works. And uh, me and the leading actor, Jordan Lee Brown, stood on uh, Hollywood Boulevard at Sunset in front of Netflix, literally holding a sign, trying to raise awareness for this GoFundMe campaign. Um, you know, assuming we might get some donations, assuming somebody might take a picture and it goes viral and then the whole GoFundMe can spread, but it never worked. And uh I think 2020, I gave up for a whole year straight. I moved back to Vegas. Um, so I spent two years trying to raise the money. And I, I, I came to Vegas and I met this guy named Brian Cooper, who was who came on as a producer from New York. And he said, hey, what are you working on? I told him what I've been working on, trying to work on. And he said, well, let's go to uh, let's go act like we have the money. Let's go location scout. Let's just go figure it out. And let's let's not just sit on it. And, uh, you know, his New York uh, spirits, that's how they get down on the, on the East right. Coast. So I said, forget it. Let's let's do it. So we literally went in Vegas and and broke down every location we needed and just went to go location scout. And majority of locations, actually, they said, yeah, we'll give you, you know, the house, the liquor store, everything that was needed. But the main location was a strip club. 
And this is how I got my first investment. Uh, the guy <laughs> named Stephen Lou, who uh, took ownership of this strip club called, uh, back then it was called the Library uh, Gentlemen's Club on Boulder Highway. This place was closed. It was a perfect location since it was closed. And I was just hounding the real estate people to give me the information so I can go location scout. I didn't think nothing of it. But when I met, finally got in contact and met Stephen Lou, he had asked what, what I was doing. And I told him, you know, I'm just here to, I want to reach a location and shoot a movie. And uh, we talked and it, it was about a month of us talking. He finally, you know, him and his wife sat down, uh, Gloria, we sat down and they said, hey, we want to be your first investors and give you 30 grand for your movie. Our budget was about 150000 at this time, I could have said, you know what? We need more money. It's not going to work. And But it's, I spent two years trying to get a dollar. So when I had the 30 grand, to me, that was 300 grand. And I said, I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll make it work. And I think two weeks later, we went into uh, production. Kudo Love, he dumped in 15 grand. So we had, uh, well, 10 grand. We had about 40 grand. And we went to start filming. Um, Amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. When you first started to put together the film, now you obviously have a, a fairly decent cast, what I mean by decent, decent number of people involved, and you have, as well as you have, well, you co-wrote it, correct? You co-wrote it with Michelle Vital or Vital? Vital. 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 Michelle Vital. And, and Brian is producing, and the cinematography was by Matthew, is it Velasquez or Velasquez? Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Music by Robert Johnson. So you've got a lot of people with you, and you have a a decent-sized cast. That's, that's what I was trying to say earlier, but sometimes my brain freezes. When you right. were, were casting, did you find the people that you wanted in the sense that you knew the parts you had to fill, you were able to find people to fill those parts. You didn't have to settle for less or wait for someone to be available for you. You were able to get everybody when you needed them. Yeah, the casting process was a movie in itself. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I mean since, since I started in 2018... I had, and we didn't film until 2022, I believe, was it 2022, I believe. So I had enough time to kind of find the right people. Our first cast member was Fizz, who plays Dre, the, the father of Ron Nixon. That was from the Kuda Love uh, producer who, who manages him. So he brought him on early. Uh, our next cast member was uh, Sissy Cameron, who plays Stacy, the, mo the mother. She's an aspiring singer. So we had already a relationship and she she uh, traveled from the Bay Area to audition. So I locked in her. The next cast member was Jordan Lee Brown, who plays Slice. I scouted him early in advance and and I went through a lot of different antagonists to play that role. And and that guy's a he, he brought the he brought the audition out so well where he shot a movie in for his audition. I said, he, he's 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 it. And our last key player was Nixon, Emperor Caius. He was. A hard one to find. He came last minute, literally, I think probably two weeks before we had a shoot. That's kept and, close, yeah. Yeah, and, and for our main player, actually, the movie to be based upon him, it was it was crazy to find him last minute. And I, I, <laughs> I was very meticulous on who that character was. And it was it was great to right. for his mother, Miss J, to come and, and bring him all the way from New York. That's where he's from. So uh, bring him out to Vegas to, to, to do the movie. How long is the film itself, Sky? Uh, so it's about an hour and... 50 minutes. Uh, okay, that's a decent amount of time. When you put it together, were you amazed when you look at the beginning of your journey and where you are now with it? So it's, as I mentioned earlier, this is going to be released November 22nd in AMC yeah. theaters, including in Las Vegas. But how did you feel about the fact that you had started with this idea that unfortunately Mac got rid of and you had to rewrite? 
and then you had to raise money, and then you had to cast it and find locations, etc. And now it's a completed film. Do you look at it as your baby? So it's like a, another kid that you've given it's, birth it's to? Definitely, yeah, it's definitely a kid. I think I wanted to adopt a kid a, a couple of times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, uh, and it, it's, it was really treated like a kid. I mean, you know, you got to support it, you got to feed it, you got to nurture it, and you got to raise it, and uh, you can't give up. And I think that's the challenges that any parent faces as, as like, you know, I feel like I was a single father at times just trying to raise this kid uh, to be something where what it is today. And I mean, the challenges, man, if you if you're not built strong and you can't you don't you don't you don't know what you're doing, why you're doing it or don't have a purpose or a why it's easy to give up and just call it quits. And I see why people, you know, that go through these challenges that don't make it out, give up because it's, it's not easy. I mean, making a movie is super hard and it's so easy to just to click next or, you know, skip five seconds that took five hours or five days just to make it, you know, it, it was definitely a challenge raising this child. And also, too, you're not done with it in this sense. Now that you've filmed it, now you have to promote it. So the work is never right. done. Never done. Never done. Yeah, yeah. Now that it's, the, it's, the, it's, it's what we're doing today is talking about the movie, exactly. talking about the process and letting people know. Yeah. And how did you decide on the name Nixon? I'm just curious about that, because as we talked in the beginning, my thought was, what? Richard Nixon's running again? He can't. He's not here anymore. But now, how did you decide on the name Nixon? Is it a family name or where did it come from? I don't know where it came from. I mean, I was just thinking of names and uh, I think I forgot his name originally. It wasn't Nixon at first. I can't remember his original name. And but the name Nixon just kind of sticked us. Somebody, somebody's gonna be mad at me because someone said the, the, <laughs> I don't know if it was Michelle, but someone said the word Nixon, or I, somebody's name was Nixon that I heard somewhere, and I was like, hmm, that's catchy. That's a good. That's a good catchy name. And then the the run came from Stacy when uh, we were shooting the first spec trailer. She was yelling, "Run Nixon, run Nixon!" And originally the movie was called Nick of Time. And it was like, you know, to save your son in the nick of time. Right. And when she kept saying, run Nixon, run Nixon, I was like, I, I, at that time, I was like, I like that name. It sounds a little bit more catchy. And the whole nick of time was already a movie. And I wanted something, if you search run Nixon, I wanted a movie that only our movie showed up, you know, as far as the title goes. So, you know, it just, it would just make sense for us to just switch the name to run Nixon. Now, without giving away the entire film, because you want people to see it, obviously. Yeah. But give us a little bit about it. It's an urban thriller, and it's a, it's about. Well, I'll let you I'll let you describe it in the best way you want. Yeah, to I mean, describe. I mean, it's definitely uh, it's it's an urban thriller, and it's about a boy who has a bad heart, and he gets rushed to the hospital, and his mother and father have to figure out how to pay for this heart transplant, and they don't have the money, unfortunately, and the insurance is not going to cover it. So the mom who works at a at a strip club, she decides to rob this strip club to pay for her surgery, and after that. Everything turns bad. The antagonizer, uh, Slice, comes in, who she robs, and I don't want to give too much away, but he ends up, you know, uh, picking up the boy Nixon and holding him hostage for 24 hours. And now the dad has to figure out how to get his son back before it's too late. All right, good. When you started scouting, going back to locations for a second in Las Vegas, there are so many interesting locations. From your point of view, what was the most significant from a cinematography point of view for the film itself? I would have to say it was probably the, I don't want to, it was, the strip club was the main location. And that's really actually in the beginning of the movie. But I want to say that was probably the art. That was the, the main location. That was the, the, the centerpiece of the, of the film. 
And, you know, when we shot this, we didn't shoot it like this was a big, perfect strip club that was like a famous, well-known strip club. This was a hole-in-the-wall strip club right. that was ran down and, and it wasn't it wasn't too popular. And that's how it was kind of shot. <laughs> Outside of that, the, the house where one of the uh, one of the uh, other members was at was it's called Bird's House. And uh, it's an old it's an old house over uh, on D Street. Um, that was a pretty significant house because that's the house where Nixon uh, actually gets set up to go rob the house. So that was another house. That was a, another location that was pretty significant in the film. Did you test the ending of the film and based on the response of the audience, change it? Or did you stay true to your original script? Because so many films, they test for audience and see which way to end the film. How about right. in your case? No, we actually... I mean, I, I, I filmed the, when we had a, uh, a launch party for the film, uh, which was on my birthday last year, May 6th, I had a group of about 20 to 30 people that watched the film. At the time, it was about two hours long. So I ended up taking out about 30 minutes of the film. And I didn't change the ending because the ending was already set. The ending was, there wasn't too much to change. But I did actually take out 30 minutes of a lot of different arcs that was in the film that I feel like probably I could say for the sequel. So that was that was the biggest change that I did. I like your optimism. You're already thinking ahead for the sequel. Yeah, we already have it written. It's uh I mean when you watch the Brun Nixon and you watch the end of it, you're gonna realize there's a sequel that's gonna continue and we're already uh ready for that sequel or going into pre production hopefully in March. Will it be based also in Las Vegas? It'll be partially in Vegas and then it'll be traveling down the uh towards uh, uh San Diego, uh Chula Vista area. Oh, interesting. Vice is on the run, and he's trying to make it across the border, but I won't give too much <laughs> Yeah, away. don't give too much away. We want people to see it. <laughs> Sometimes that's good. Do you find that your talent lies more in the writing or in the directing? Wow. I think my talent lies in the editing. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I was an editor at first. You know, I started as an editor in high school, and that's where I found the love of filmmaking was editing. I feel like with the directing is... Uh, since uh, I can't, I can't direct nothing I, that I don't write, unfortunately, because I, I have to be able to be married to this vision and I have to be able to write it down. So, you know, I'll, if someone gives me ideas, I still have to write it down. So I know in my head, I can see what I need to direct. So I'm clear on set when I am directing. My directing skills are very amazing. They're different than other directors. I'm very, I'm not anal, but I'm very visionary on what I have. And I, I get my, my directions clear to my talent and I let them kind of, you know, first, I when I first shoot, I let them freely do their thing to see what they're doing. And then if they need my guidance, then I'll change it around and give them the end direction. But when it comes to the writing, too, I'm a great storyteller. So, you know, I, but I think my talent definitely lies in the editing because that's the part, the hardest part to do is, is to make it look good. And, you know, anyone can write, anyone can film something, but can they really put it together to make it look good? And I think that's where my talent really lies there. It is a skill that people don't recognize as much as they should when it comes to right. films. That, that editing can make or break a film. And even if, yeah. the, even if the ending of the film is the same, as you said, you took out 30 minutes initially just to, to make it work better. But even within an edited film, it's subtle. People don't realize that it's been edited if you do it right. They just right. enjoy the storytelling. And I guess really editing, if you think about it, is storytelling as well as writing is yes. storytelling. It's all a part of it. It's all, and I was blessed to be able to carry all three notes, you know, from the writing, directing, and editing. But that's how it is on set with me. I'm, I'm directing the uh, craft services. 
I need that. Didn't have to be lined up like this. The Gatorade, the water, the napkins, the forks. I, I mean, people don't like me, but I'm I'm that guy. <laughs> I'd be the one that would be eating at the craft services rather than yeah, directing yeah. it. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, That's hey, Scott, get off. Stop directing craft services. You yeah. Direct selling. <laughs> oh, no. This got to be right over here. Exactly. The whole feel of the, the shoot has to be right, especially, you know, at any location. Did you ever use a soundstage for any part of the film in Las Vegas? Yeah. Well, uh, Vegas, no. Because, well, did we? My father had an office. It wasn't a soundstage, so I, I used his for the uh, doctor's office. But we actually used uh, Silver Dream Studios in, in uh, Anaheim mm -hmm. uh, for the hospital scene. And that was the only soundstage we used. But Vegas didn't offer too many at the time when we were shooting. So we had actually had to go all the way to California to shoot in a soundstage. Because I can see your future in Las Vegas. And, and the reason I'm saying that is there's so much development now and yes. so much... Much more, a lot of people in Hollywood are thinking of moving to Las Vegas, not just actors, but obviously sound stages, production facilities, recording facilities, etc. So I could see you actually setting up a whole empire right here in Las Vegas without having to go to either Hollywood or anywhere else. That You know, that's always been a dream of mine. Uh, I've been bouncing back and forth between Vegas and LA, and I always, you know, just like Mark Wahlberg can see it, the potential is definitely here with our with the you know how wide the city is and how how much is developing and you know with las vegas media film company coming out to we're kind of by i think by durango i definitely want to be a part of that and and that's why it's amazing that you know we have a movie in vegas shot in vegas and coming out and you know not in other not only in other amcs but in town square amc and and, and definitely it's, it's important for vegas to know you know, there's an independent film that got a, you know, a theatrical deal with AMC and, and from Vegas. It's, it's, it's amazing to be a part of that and, and to see what, what happens with Vegas and be able to bring light to Vegas on the film side. And I think in your position, not only do you direct and write and edit, but you also have to really know some of the business in order to be able right. to not just finance the film, but as you say, you have a deal with AMC. A lot of that stuff's not easy to come by. Oh, no. No, no. Do you want me to elaborate on that part? Please. Listen, I think that's, you know, people film a movie and, you know, there's there's good uh, opportunities out there like Tubi that you can just easily go through a third party and upload an aggregator like Film Hub and put it on Tubi and all the other different ABLDs. But um, if you want something bigger and you want to go theatrical, I think that that was a business in itself just to figure out how to do that. And uh, luckily for me, we got turned down by Tubi for a Tubi original for Ron Nixon, along with BET, who turned us down. At that time, I could have gave up again, but uh, it was like, you know, the goal for me was always theatrical. I My films have to be in theaters. I believe that silver screen means something when an audience of people that never seen something come together and watch the movie. I think it, it feels better. And, um, you know, it, it, I didn't see the vision until we got turned down. And that's when I reached out to this lady uh, named Nicole Randolph, who's the SVP over at uh, AMC. And I told her my story and pitched the film. Her and her team got back to us in three weeks and they agreed to, you know, give us a theatrical distribution through AMC, which doesn't happen. They said this is very rare. They go, you know, thousands of pitches and studios looking to put the films in, in movies. So to get a spot in the theater uh, was a was a, was a blessing in the sky, you know. Yeah, it's an amazing story all the way around from the beginning to where you are now. Now, you know, the most important question, I, I was going to save it for the end, but I'll save I'll, I'll use it now. Are you going to invite Nick Cannon to the opening? 
you know, Nick's a, a pretty busy guy. You know, the guy has a lot of kids. And his <laughs> yeah, but wait a second. Wait a minute. Well, you have the determination to follow through on that one. You can. I do. <laughs> I definitely do. I'm gonna give him the invitation. I definitely will yeah. give him the invitation. Absolutely. I mean, you know, who knows? You know, come out. It makes sense for him to come out, though. Do you see the film Run Nixon again? It's going to be at AMC November 22nd, a lot of AMC theaters. And do you see that film, once it has the theatrical release, then taking on other platforms? So maybe it goes to streaming or it goes to, yeah, you mentioned Tubi earlier, any of those platforms later on, or Amazon Prime or Netflix or any of the other ones. Yeah, you know, once once this is done with this uh, the window period for uh, AMC, we're we're gonna definitely reach out to different uh, platforms, take our numbers and a- analytics from AMC, and see if we can get a, a a good deal with one of the platforms. I think Netflix, I'm sorry, uh, BT is is a company that might take it on again. I know they were saying they were pretty much their catalog was filled for 2023, but 2024 they they have us at the top of the queue. So if, the, if it makes sense, we might go that route. If not, we might just go directly to Amazon Prime. I think the big story here is that despite COVID and despite the challenges under normal circumstances of making a movie, that you were able to persevere through all those elements, including right. the financing, including the shooting of it, the lo- uh, location, finding uh, the all the dynamics, what happens when you're involved in filmmaking right. that happens and you come out at the other end and you're still here and doesn't look at it like there's any blood on you so you survived yeah. <laughs> unless you have makeup on hiding those those wounds but yeah i mean that's the that's i think the inspiring story here besides the film itself is that you were able to do that over a period of time when there were a lot of other things going on now clearly i mean you weren't in the middle of covid when you were doing it but still there were so many things that came to a standstill and then you had to kind of Everybody had to kind of start up again, and it never stopped you. You just kept going. Right, right, yeah. I mean, the pandemic did. I think the pandemic was the slow time. That was a time where I kind of let it breathe and eased off of, of it, you know. Uh, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to pay attention. Hey, sometimes you do got to put take your foot off the gas and just ease off and just let this, you know, be on pilot and cruise control. And that was during the pandemic time. And I, I, at that time, I, I was, I'm in tech, so I developed a platform, and I was, I was tech heavy in 2019, uh, 2020. But towards the end of the year, I, I had I, the butterflies got back in me, and I said, I need to <laughs> fly this shit back into the film world, uh, especially with me being asked that question a lot, where people were asking me, "Hey, what's going on with the filming?" Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and also too, you know, I, I had to sell my car in the middle of the movie because we ran out of money. So I was back faced with that, where I had to release my car and use that money to finish making the movie. And, you know, so the perseverance was definitely there. But, you know, my determination was, has always been there. I'm always determined to make it and figure it out. Yeah. And, and obviously, you have a great future based on just what you've just done. So before I let you go, last question, what do you see as your future? Are you going to stay in Las Vegas or do you think you'll move to Hollywood or some other location and make more films and write books? Or what, what do you uh, see as your future? Yeah, right now I'm 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 pretty heavy in you know finishing up uh making a name for myself in the film industry. So, you know, the 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 goal is to get a a name that the industry knows and I can continue on producing great films. I have, you know, 10 scripts ready to go. Once those once the the name is established in the industry, I'm in the tech business, so I have a casting app co- coming out called Castful and that will allow, you know, people to be be able to 
audition for movies that I'm doing and other people are doing. So, you know, I'll open the doors for that down the line, maybe 2024. And then, uh, you know, as far as staying in Vegas, I mean, my house is in Vegas. Uh, I'll always be in Vegas. My whole entire life, I've been Vegas, LA, back and forth. So, you know, if the business is not here, of course, I'll be in LA, but I'll always be back and forth between LA and Vegas. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Las Vegas local Sky Directs. He's the director of Run Nixon, and it's releasing in AMC theaters on November 22nd. You can follow Run Nixon on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and he's showing his hat. I like that. Sky, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it, Eric. Thank you. Thanks for having me. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ivor David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Everything you want us to be.